Hello and welcome to episode 210 of Rugger Matrix International. I'm your host, Jero Sen. And as it says down below, it is, we meet at last and we meet again. Ben Kimber and Mark Cashman. Cash Cow, good to see you in the flesh. Absolutely, bro. Great uh, weekend of rugby. Uh, the final between New Zealand and Australia, uh, the one predicted by Ben Kimber and I. How did, how did your tips go, Bronk? Uh, pretty good. Uh, it just didn't quite come off. I was very close, though. There you go. I did. At least I had a go, mate. Like, you guys just picked the obvious. I, I, I thought the South Africans might be a chance. And Ben, I know you gave him a bit of kudos with the weather, but, uh, you know, the box did really well, I thought. Well, I don't think we picked the obvious. I think we picked the right one, didn't yeah, we, mate? Well, it but I know it was a good crack. It was a good crack from you. It was a good crack from you, mate. I liked it. I liked it, mate. But this game we've been waiting for for a long time. At last, yes, at last we meet. Um, well, before we go into the uh, the final, let's reminisce on the semi-finals. So um, we all picked uh, Australia to beat the uh, Los Pumas, and uh, who are incorrectly named, by the way. They should be the Jaguars. But that's a fascinating story. Look it up if you do, uh, if you can, on the internet. It's a, it's a funny story. So the Pumas, the, the Argentinians, uh, came to play. I thought Australia were, were good in the first half, but in the second half, if they were playing the All Blacks, Ben, I thought they would have, get ta- would have got it towed up because the uh, Argentinians made so many inroads uh, that uh, a team with better finishing capability would have towed up Australia. Absolutely right, Giro. The... Um the game that they've played the last couple of weeks, we talk about the courage, we talk about the cover tackling, the defence, the scrambling defence. They cannot have those opportunities for a team like the All Blacks. The All Blacks will take advantage. We saw that in the other semi with when in the first half, the box were so accurate with their tactical game, with their kicking uh, particularly. And as soon as they let it slip, the Blacks took advantage. So you're dead right. Unless we see a different, uh, more disciplined game from the Wallabies, they are in trouble. That's absolutely right, Ben. I think uh, the Wallabies did invite the uh, the Pumas back into that game time and time again. First 35, 37 minutes, uh, pretty well flawless, really. But uh, listen, th- this Puma side, you've really got to doff your cap to them. I, I thought they uh, they played with uh, a lot of vision. They uh, they they went wide. They went up the middle at different times. I I, I think they're the uh, the big movers in the international rugby over the next couple of years. I I, I think they'll be contending for rugby championship victory very, very soon. Yeah, one of the things that I've uh, sort of been just thinking about in terms of that game is, is being a Wallabies fan for years, as we all have been, one of the very frustrating things is the Wallabies' ability to play down to teams they play. It's a team that for some reason can go out and beat the All Blacks one week and then struggle against Italy the next. And it's just been a very, very frustrating team over time. This game, though... That's, I, the, that's I, not new, is it? No. Even the great teams do that. Yeah. I remember, remember playing Italy in Melbourne. David Campisi coming up with a winning try. I mean, and that was a long time ago when, when Italy were absolutely terrible. Yeah. So particularly in terms of this Argentina game, I think it's probably a little bit harsh to think that, that, that they played down to a team. They did face a good team, but uh, four tries to none, a bit more discipline, a bit of trouble in the scrum. They really should have been more comfortable than they were, um, but they did, Argentina did take it to them. Well, let's break it down. Argentina almost scored at halftime. Geez, they would have changed the game dramatically. And then after the break, they made so many uh, incursions and broke the uh, Wallabies line. You know, we talk often about bending lines. They didn't just bend them, they broke straight through. So the want for finishing, obviously, was um, the big issue there. But again, Australia, you know, they can come up with a 
one-on-one -on -one hits, and there were many of those. Fardy produced those. But just a little bit of um, overall cohesion and defence would have had uh, Nathan Gray, the defence coach, seething. You've got to admire, though, the, the efforts they did do in defence. They scrambled very, very well. You know, this uh, this uh, Puma side, Imhoff uh, out wide, they, they lost a couple of guys guys early. But uh, guys like their halfback, uh, Sanchez at fly half, he's, he's a very, very good player. And they, uh, they, they actually play some rugby. You know, they're not just content on uh, a bit of field position. Maybe if they did... Uh, kick for a bit of field position, things could have been uh, a, a lot tighter than they were and uh, it, re it really took quite a run from, uh, from Drew Mitchell to, to actually snuff the game, as, uh, snuff Argentina out of the game. Well it did, it was a, it was a great run and uh, let's talk about those guys. Drew Mitchell, Bernard Foley, Matt Gitto, Adam Ashley Cooper. Have you seen, I haven't seen too many better passes than the one from Foley to Adam Ashley Cooper on the right. And then the beautiful ball from, uh, and I love seeing those, from Gitto to Adam, Cushley, Adam Ashley Cooper on the left. We know, we know Cooper can throw those, Quade Cooper. We haven't seen him in the side here, but we have seen that in the Wallabies for a while. But they really had Stephen Larkham's fingerprints mm. all over it. Uh, I think not since Larkham um, have we seen someone who, th who could throw those wide balls so flat. Um, those balls were great. Beautiful balls, but they still weren't, I don't think, were quite the class that Larkham used to throw when he'd really sort of go with a triple cutout flat onto a guy's chest. But these were beautifully executed, and you could see particularly that set move, the first try for Ashley, Adam Ashley Cooper out wide, just to exact plan. And when that happens, that's got to give a team a lot of confidence. When they know they've analysed the opposition, they've called a play, they've executed it beautifully, and you think you're on top. And it was both sides, left and right. That's the beauty of it. Yes, Mark. And, and boys... Uh, everyone out there, if you if you have a rugby ball, you you if you're right-handed, which Bernard Foley is, uh, if you try to uh, pass the ball from right to left, it's a lot easier. He he passed. This is from a this is from, from a prop, by the way. A very, very an good, old school very prop. Analyst. <laughs> he passed that ball, which uh, had a bit of Harbour Bridge about it, but it had to go quite away from uh, from left to right, and that's oh, that's, no, no, that's it not was easy. Perfect. And the yeah, same goes for uh, Matt Giddo on the other side to, for the uh, the other Adam Ashley Cooper try. Superb pieces of uh, of set play. Not many tries are scored off set piece in uh, in international rugby these days, and that one was an absolute cracker. You actually need a bit of that. Harbour Bridge to give the dip over distance to hit the bloke on the chest. And I, I think we unfairly compare everyone to uh, Stephen Larkham. Yeah. I remember um, Stu Paveley, one of the guys who worked with the physio from the Waratahs and the, and the Wallabies, he, he actually produced um, a video uh, showing Larkham's passing technique with high-speed cameras. And it's just absolutely fascinating how he comes to the gain line and delivers that ball. No, there's no one better. I've never seen anyone better that can do that. But these guys did a great job, and they were just beautiful pieces of rugby. You just don't see that often. No, don't upset you, but I'd pick Larkham over Foley, mate. Oh, here we go. <laughs> hey, what, now? <laughs> Probably he now. He goes all right still. Yeah, he looks the same. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's great to see. He was talking to the team today, saying that the Wallabies today are better than the 99 team. So I reckon in some positions they are, actually. If, what, if like you, maybe eight? No. <laughs> Let's go back. Uh, we'll go back to that later on, maybe maybe uh, after the World Cup. But, yeah, well, fascinating uh, victory by the Wallabies. And uh, I, I think we have, to, we have to talk about him, David Pocock. He's, uh, they call him the panda today because he's got two black eyes. Um, but, geez, what a heroic effort by him to come back from that calf injury. 
As you know, Casho, being a prop, a calf injury is basically the um, the end of your, your year, isn't it? But he's, um, as a back rower, um, managed to come through it. And how critical was he for, for that Australian side on, on the weekend? What they lacked against... 80 minutes. 80 minutes. What what they lacked against Scotland was the, uh, the, the, the poaching of the ball, the penalties that he sort of forces, that has that given this Wallaby side throughout this tournament the continuity that they've sort of needed. And they're going to need it on, on Saturday night against the, against the All Blacks. But what, what a superb combination this back row is. Farty just works, works and works. Hooper with, uh, with Pocock there tight on the ball all the time can roam wide a bit a bit uh, a bit like uh, a smaller version of Kieran Reed in, in many respects he's in those wide channels can run run the ball a fair bit and then then do the jackling when 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 we, when we cried but uh, Pocock you know he's, he's he's got to be the player of the tournament this time through doesn't he no matter what happens on Saturday night that's one of the reasons why this World Cup final shapes up to be such a great game we have the best team in the world Clearly in the All Blacks, you cannot, even if we win, Australia wins the World Cup, you know, you can still say over time, this is the best team in the world, um, and we've seen, seen for some time, against the best player in the world. I don't think there's, I don't think you can equivocate that if you're going to go for the Golden Boot or, or the, the World Rugby Award this year, it's got to be Pocock. He is an absolute standout. He, he is a guy who tears opposition apart, and he can lead this team to victory, I believe. Uh, we talked about it last week, saying that in the back row is where the Wallabies will look to have that advantage, and I think it became even clearer after the semis last week. The influence of Pocock on a game is monstrous. It is mammoth. Read any of the UK press, and they're all just waxing lyrical about him, and rightly so. And if he has the kind of game that we know he can, that's what's going to put the Wallabies right in this. Last week, uh, uh, Reed and McCaw had OK games for New Zealand. We, we, are, we outweigh them in the back row in terms of talent, and I think it's largely because of Pocock. I think, you know, hit the nail right on the head there, Ben. It's influence. How many players in the world game influence the match? We saw how um, uh, you look at the way that New Zealand ploughed through the French team in their uh, quarterfinal, and Dan Carter had a massive influence on that game. But the French, you know, well, the French... We didn't know, I don't know what they did this World Cup, but they did something. But you look at what, what this guy has done at number eight for Australia and moved there, you know, pretty recently, um, is extraordinary. I just think he's... I, I can rave about him all the time because I think he's a wonderful human being as well. Um, but I think David Pocock uh, deserves uh, all the accolades and he's just, you know, doing the right things. He invited David... At, Sir David Attenborough to the game is just amazing. I'd like to hear Sir David Attenborough commentate yeah, on the game. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. That'd oh, be cool. that's a wonderful try. <laughs> Los <laughs> Pumas. <laughs> and, and, and really, when, when you think about it, how did he celebrate that, uh, that win on the weekend? He went back to his room and watched some David Attenborough um, uh, videos. So yeah. uh, there you go. The stats, um, like the number of pilfers, I think I read a story that I think he's had 14 steals mm. at the World Cup, well in advance of any other back row player. And you've got to remember he's come through a tougher draw than, than the McCaws and these guys who, who have had uh, games against teams which are uh, lower down on the, on the rungs. So the, his dominance is even more exceptional because of the games the Wallabies have played in 
uh, let alone that it's at a World Cup and, and uh, he's right in the midst of a team that's in the final. Can I just say something about the way South Africa played on the weekend? They came within a, within a bees, whatever, of uh, making it through, 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 through the final and uh, it was fascinating to watch them, the way they, their defence uh, worked on, uh, on Saturday night against the All Blacks. They, uh, all they were concerned about was keeping the, the integrity of their line intact and it almost worked. I think uh, it was just that the All Blacks were able to uh, probably, uh, probably reset at half-time and play a slightly different game. But their, uh, their non-committal in many, many, many phases there kept them very much in the game and it was proving very frustrating for the All Blacks who, who rely on an up-tempo sort of game. So yeah. it's probably a lesson that Michael Checker will, uh, will ponder over this week as he uh, as he comes up with the tactics to uh, to play the All Blacks. I mean, he's got to be careful though because the All Blacks can change their game to suit. I agree with you, Casho, but what I would also add to that is that when the the Springboks competed at the breakdown with New Zealand, it was unbelievable. Like it was ferocious. Like that, that, when they wanted the ball, they got it. And I thought whenever South Africa said, "Okay, we're competing here. It's our ball," they they basically dominated and. Uh, you know, there's, 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 that means there's huge scope for uh, David Pocock. Yeah, very much so. The, the Springboks um, didn't quite have the attacking game to trouble the All Blacks, but they, they played the game they knew I they had they to play. I think they knew that, though. Yeah, they, they played the game they knew they had to play. They played the game where they knew that they had to keep their line intact, kick for the corners, kick well, chase hard, and just put everything into it, and they almost got there. We did talk about New Zealand as the obvious tip, and Bron- you did go... Um, for the Springboks. There's a, there's a couple of points in that game where it could have gone very differently. Uh, Georgie Ayub's ridiculous penalty against Victor Matfield to reverse a three-point opportunity for the Springboks was one. Brian Habana's charge off the line that where, where Carter missed that two-pointer from the sideline was another. There was only two points in this game that went right down to the wire. I think the Wallabies would have taken a lot out of watching that game for a couple of reasons. One, you touched on there. We, I, I said the influence of Reid and McCaw isn't what it was. They're still great international players, but they aren't, the influence isn't what it was. And I think that's a real area that we can go to. But also, we, we again saw a game from the All Blacks where a bit of composure from the opposition and we saw real discipline. We saw, and they said it themselves afterwards, what do we need to get right? Our discipline. They were a little rattled. Mm. I've seen it many times when New Zealand sides are struggling to get points and headway, they start to, to panic. And, um, you know, that happened in the first Blitters low. Uh, there's no doubt about that. They panicked actually from the start in that game, which is a bit weird. But if you put them under pressure, which, which you know what it means? It means Australia has to take their points. And I know I've been raving about him, but it means Bernard Foley has to make the kicks. So if uh, Richie and co infringe, they firstly have to be, and we'll touch on the referee here in a second, the referee has to make a decision and he has to make the right decision. Because the keywords will push it to the nth degree. But if Australia gets the benefit of a penalty, then they have to nail them. They have to nail the three points because it's the three-point plays that will build the pressure on New Zealand. And it's pressure on the scoreboard, isn't it, that's critical in this game. I think the Wallabies have got to start well and they've got to continue and go as long as they can because you, you saw at different times against Argentina, different times against Scotland, fatigue will be a factor in the in the final, particularly on the Wallaby side because they've come out of the harder side of the draw. They've got to get those points up, as you said, Bronk, just keep ticking over if it's three, five, another three, getting those conversions from the sideline. Just keep keep things ticking over and then then the All Blacks have got to uh, start playing playing from behind and that's uh, that's that's when you can grab them. Mm. Uh, we we saw that clearly last week in both semis. In both semis, the uh, in the in the um, uh, the Argentina Australia game right up to the 70th minute it was a competition. In the other game right up to the 80th minute 
And in both cases, we had a team which didn't score any tries. We had a team which just knocked over their threes, kept themselves in the game. Now, I don't, I, it, they will be critical, but I think we'll see more than that in the final because uh, the Wallabies will be looking to score tries and the All Blacks will as well. So hopefully we see a few more of those points. But you're dead right. Every point is absolute gold. So what do you think uh, the two best teams they finally meet? I think uh, it's the right final, isn't it? It is the right final. They have been the two best teams. It's been shaping up as this. We had we had some doubts around whether the Wallabies were up to it when they came in, but they proved through the pool stages they clearly deserve to be here. They've won the games to get there, uh, and it's really the, the story that you want to see. You want to, you know the, the All Blacks who've been that dominant side, and then from nowhere our guys come out and say, you know, we're going to take these guys on. What what are your thoughts about having the Bledisloe Cup uh, up uh, up for grabs as well? You might as well throw the old box of dice, you know. What, what, Depends what you where, which side of the ditch you live on, I think, probably, mate. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we threw that away with the... And this is interesting. Remember, we were very critical of the, the way that we sort of almost surrendered the second Bledisloe, making some selection changes and the way we approached that game in uh, New Zealand and Auckland at Eden Park. Yeah, I still, I still burns me. I, I just don't think we needed to do that. Well, I've got a question for you on that, yeah. Juro. Do you think that helps or hinders the All Blacks here. The All Blacks, the last time they played us, they won by a good mm. solid amount in a, in a trot. But it wasn't the team they played in Sydney, and it's not the team they're playing here. In that, that team in Auckland, there's guys who didn't even make the tour who yeah. started. Quade Cooper's not getting a start. James Horwell was there. There was a number of guys. Mm. Do you think it helps or hinders them that they had that victory over oh, us? I think it has no impact because the All Blacks just seem to find a way to lift for every game. So the, we'll put them under pressure, but they, they are an amazing team. And I think... So I, I think it has no impact. Um, it might have an impact on Australia, but as you said, hardly. You know, there's a few players that weren't there in, uh, at the time. I think that uh, Australia has to make sure that they really respect the All Blacks in this game because they could. I've seen Australian teams just a little bit cocky, going into any sort of cockiness will be rubbed out, and we will lose it by a big margin. And the question with that. Sorry, I didn't want to say we uh, Australia will lose it. Got to be down the line. You've you've got to mull over different things at different times. And at this point in time, I'm I'm there thinking to myself, was that a conscious decision made by Michael Checker and the selection team to actually take the pressure off the boys? You know, they they obviously had some sort of plan heading into a World Cup, eventually playing the All Blacks in the final, if all went well, that uh, that was a game that they could could throw away. Yeah, but they were selling this argument saying... Yeah, this team knows how to win in the clutch now. You know, we'd won a few games in the last minute, and then all of a sudden they get towelled up. But do you, do you think if, not your argument, but I think it's a stupid argument overall. Do you think if if the Wallabies had won in Auckland, Quade Cooper would have been the five eight at the World Cup? Well, I don't. I think that was probably his last chance to really show himself that he could win those big pressure games. I don't think we were ever going to win with Quade there, but if we won with the team that won the week before, then. Um, you know, there are different things, different things at play, but I just don't... That's an interesting question, actually. Mm. Because I, just, I seem to think Czech has been giving him a lot of chances. Yeah. Uh, one thing I will touch on that you just said too, Rob, is you said you've seen cockiness in, in previous yeah. Australian teams. I think the one thing that you would see with this team is Michael Checker would slap it right at anyone's head that he saw any cockiness in. I think he's got their heads right. He did it with the Waratahs to get them up to win their title, and you can see it with the Wallabies. They are all on the same page, and it doesn't feel scripted. It feels like he has been in their face and in their head and probably in their back line in the defensive line during training. But he is the kind of coach that would not take any sort of that, that uh, 
that attitude that you are not going to have to win and scrap for every single inch of what you're going to get in any game. So who's, who's the smarter coach then? Is, because we look at how New Zealand, not over, over the, the long period of rugby they've been dominant, they've usually relied on their skill and basic rugby, but it's never, we've always had, and Australia's always had to be a smarter team with less ability, and that's, that's led to some fantastic victories, just the way we play the game. You know, everything from line-outs, uh, structured play, etc. New Zealand's had that brute force, clinical play, that innate way to play the game. Now, when we look at uh, the two coaches, Checker v uh, your, your, your old mate, um, and Link's old mate, um, what do you think, uh, what do you think? You know, is Hanson, Hanson the smarter coach or is Checker? Because Hanson's definitely got, over the last couple of coaches, it's him and the Aussies, including Robbie Deans, by a mile. Well, Bronk, if, if you're talking about um, winning records, if, if that's our barometer, yep. you've got to go with Hanson. How many, how many tests has he lost in the, in the past four years? Very, very few. If you're talking about the development of a side, I think you've got to, you've, you've got to doff your cap to, uh, to Michael Checker. What he's done in, all, in just days over, uh, over 12 months since he mm-hmm. took over from the debacle that was the Ewan McKenzie reign uh, has been absolutely... Uh, astounding, to be honest. So, you, we've got to judge them differently. Uh, obviously, well, we, well, Steve Hansen head had, head, has head been head a head head well, head well, head to head, you don't. Head to head, you don't. Well, head to head, I think Steve Hansen's, yeah. uh, you know, way ahead of, uh, of of check at this point in time. But uh, it's going to come down to Saturday night at the end. Mm. I'd say. World Player of the Year is Pocock and World Coach of the Year is Checker. I don't, I don't think you could argue against that. Even if Hanson wins the World Cup this Saturday, what Checker so, has done... So, is, is, so let's get to the bottom of that, Ben. So by bringing a team up to a level makes you a better coach than being the man who look, is number one. Look, I think there's... It's, it's in the same way that I don't really get F1 as a motorsport, right? Some blokes have got faster <laughs> cars than others, you know? So the bloke drives a faster car and he wins a title, well played, son. But this is this is a situation where... You know, you've seen a team get shaped and pulled together. Steve Hansen is on a very different wicket in that he was part of the, the team before he was the head coach. So he's had a long run with these players and he's got a lot of good, good cattle and a depth that he's hit his behest that other teams just don't have. So when you see teams like Argentina who give him a good game in the in the pool matches, you know there's something going on. I also I think I think I'm gonna be a little controversial, I think Hansen's overrated. I I think I think he's got an amazingly talented team. I think he's got the best cattle we've seen in a in a in a in a twenty three person squad for for a very long time, and I think you watch his face during that Springbok game and he looked like death warmed up. I don't think they had a particularly articulate game plan from the box. I think they had much better footballers who have more composure, and I think uh, they almost got done by a team that that shouldn't have got that close to them. Yeah, but if I combine I combine his off field. Um banter with coaches and then the delivery of the record the record's been outstanding and to keep that going you could come in and stuff it up if you if you're a lemon coach you could stuff that up and we've seen it with good players well you said he's a smart coach he's definitely a smart ass oh yeah (laughs) yeah and i love him i mean he used to school ewan like you know when the clashes there he just absolutely destroyed him so um and 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 just so I, i love that interaction and I think Checker's definitely taken the humble line, hasn't he? Oh, definitely all the way through. And uh, I, I think the teams that have won, uh, Australian teams that have won World Cups in the UK, 91 and 99, they're essentially 
humble teams, weren't they? The one in '91 charmed charmed the entire UK. Uh, got got the 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 island nation behind them when they uh, when they knocked uh, out the the home team in the uh, in the in the quarter final. Same thing happened in '99. Admittedly, there there are a few agendas going there in '99 with Rod McQueen's side, but uh, you know, agenda A, agenda B. Well, this and all was well coached by uh, Jeff Miller. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So, and this team has taken on the same tact, and they're doing it, doing it very, very well. Listen, I'm just amazed at how check. Well, not amazed. I've, I've just been um, pleasantly surprised about how quickly he's been able to, mm. to pull that the ship back back into order, and uh, and you know they're all on board, and they're all they're all playing for their country for the right reasons. I've got to give our old mate Paddy Mollahan a rap here because he's a team manager and... There's lots of love coming from this desk to yeah, Paddy. No, long, long-term uh, rugby league it's reporter. A Channel 7 connection. Randwick guy uh, who, who's a, <clears throat> basically Checker's best mate. But he, he's been bouncing <clears throat> off Checker for some time, even when the Waratahs were playing and, and Pat was still working at Channel 7. Uh, he was in the box and um, there's no doubt he's had a big influence on what decisions he makes. And so together, and every senior coach needs someone like that. A senior coach on their own, and I think Ewan was left on his own, um, can run into trouble. And, uh, and so this has been a good move for Checker. We talked to, you know, actually I, I mentioned the record there for Steve Hansen. Let's look at Checker's record. So great coach with Randwick, Randwick uh, in the Sydney Premiership. Great coach at Leinster. Uh, we've got Heineken Cups to prove for that. And a uh, great coach at Waratahs did what no one else could do, win that goddamn title. And now he's turned the Waratahs from a basket case, sorry, the Wallabies from a basket case into the World Cup final. I've got, I got a Hanson question for you. Let's, mm. let's see. Well, he's a Kiwi coach, so if he loses a final, he could be shot. But Well, we, we <laughs> saw one who survived, yeah. Graham Henry. But I tell you what, if Hanson survives and Carter, McCaw and a couple of other blokes go out of this side, yep. then I think we'll see a bit more of a test of him. You're dead right, he, you know, keeping the team up and moving when he took over, it's, yeah. it's an exceptional achievement. But I still think once you, once you take a bit of that, that cattle out that's been crafted over a number of years, we'll see how he goes in. Yeah, but they managed them well because they, they had sabbaticals and they had a lot of rests, uh, McCaw and um, uh, Carter, uh, key players. And I think Reid came through at the right time. So they were sort of lucky with that sort of thing, but they, you know, they've got the depth to allow players to go well, away. Well, I think that's when we'll see the depth tested when you take those blokes yeah. out. Will they be the same side? And the, the All Blacks also have had had that culture where uh, in McCaw and guys like Carter and other people like that uh, actually run what goes on within the team a, a, a fair bit. You know, there's there's a lot of leadership there. Mm. And that's what that's what Checker has instilled this year, that the players actually take over the, um, you know, the, the, the running of the team, you know, the integrity of the team, all those sorts of things. And that's that's what the All Blacks have done for decades, really. And it's, uh, it's showed. Yeah, and, and I think you said before that, you know, this Wallabies team is a humble team. I don't think either team could be seen as arrogant. I think the All Blacks have got their heads screwed on right and the Wallabies have as well. So... Either team would be a worthy winner uh, rather than a team you'd, th- you'd think, you know, geez, I wish those blokes hadn't got up. Yeah, all right. So let's talk about the tactics. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes. So I think uh, the Wallabies should start with Israel Folau, tell him to play 30 minutes flat out and then bring Kirtley B off the bench. I think it would be fatal if the Wallabies start with Kirtley and just uh, because it's a World Cup final. I mean, I know every player would just, look, if we're going to break my leg, so be it. I'll have, if I've got a World Cup medal at the end of it, 
then that's fantastic. So I think that's the way the Wallabies should approach it. The All Blacks need to be wary of, of what the Wallabies bring, but I think if they start with Curdley, that'll give the All Blacks an advantage because I think their attack will carve up. And also, also one thing is if the Wallabies are going to win, they can't play too much football in, in that first 40 minutes. They've really got to conserve, get, keep a bit of bit of juice in the tank so they can, so, so they can uh, withstand whatever's thrown in, in the second half. I'm not saying don't play that... Uh, that yeah, playing footy is not the game. stuff that takes it out of you. It's, it's defending. It's, it's that up and back. It's, I know it's not like rugby league, but it's still... Yeah. It hit, those hits take it out of you. Just on, on Falau, yeah. I, you know, um, the team doesn't come out for a day or so, but I think Michael Check is the kind of coach, there is no way in the world he's not going to pick Falau unless Falau has an injury issue. Mm. He's the guy who's going to go to these guys before the game and pull out the big driver and say, this is time to tee well, off. Well, he's clearly had some yeah. sort of injury issue that's, yeah. that's hampering him. Yeah, he's, yeah. Going to go, he's always going to pick Falau unless there is something which he thinks he's not 100%. Mm. And even if he's probably 95 90%, he's going to say to him, get out there and just get stuck in. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Well, I said, yeah. like, just, just play, but don't look to play 80 minutes because if you conserve your energy to play 80 minutes, your Falau will come up with those rubbish kicks like he did the other day. I, thought he's, I think he's had a poor World Cup. And uh, we can't afford, Australia can't afford him to do that. He needs to go and play the best 30 minutes he can or whatever it is and then bring Beal on. But they can't start with Beal. Yeah. I did want to touch on the ref as well because I oh, think yes. the tactics will be interesting in terms of the way that they deal with the ref. There was a good piece Who in is? Uh, Nigel Owens. Apologies. Uh, Nigel Owens got the gig. Uh, World Rugby disgracefully left Craig Giroux out of all calculations for the, for the main games. But uh, Owens, our record is not good. Our, the Wallabies' record is not good under Owens. He refed that game in Auckland uh, where we got a touch-up uh, just before the World Cup. Yeah. There was a really good piece in the NZ Herald to, that talked today about Richie's mana. I think it's more manure than mana because he can throw it around a fair bit. But he does handle that ref particularly well. And, in, and they, they pointed out that in that game in Auckland, uh, every time Richie went up to Nigel Owens, uh, Nigel went, no worries, I'll have a look at what you're asking about. And when Stephen Moore went up, he said, mate, go away, I've got no time to talk to you. Um, there was a very different way that he treated those two teams. The ref can have a big impact on this game if he doesn't keep those All Blacks and their capacity to infringe in control. What do you think about when we lose Stephen Moore to bring Tatafu on? Well, it uh, it gave us a bit of momentum when Taft did come on. The couple of big charges there. Yeah, you know, but like... we but that's but soon after that, that's when Australia fell apart. Seriously, like Australia, that's when Argentina started to make big inroads in our defence, in Australia's defence. Well, but I think one of the critical things about um, that is not just the leadership, but we had issues in the line-out. Mm. And the All Blacks have the best line-out. We talk about the scrum, we think it's going to be evenly matched in the scrum. The line-out is going to be a massive piece. If we lose that set-piece ball, if we give the All Blacks that front foot, we're, the Wallabies will be in trouble. So the line-out has got to function. Rob Simmons, Stephen Moore. I'm with you, uh, uh, Juro. I think Stephen Moore should play 80 minutes if he's if he's in shape. Yeah, and maybe I'd bring Taff on and do another role. He, he can play flanker. He should play anywhere, Taff. So throw him on there. He was a number six in schoolboys when I first met him. Yep. He was, well, he's actually number 10. His first game of rugby was a number 10. And he touched the ball, chipped and chased and scored a try. So he could play fly half. So he's a freak. Um, but you could put him play in the back row. So if someone, you know... Say Fardy plays his guts out, which we, we say he will. He's been very brave and brought that abrasive number six that you know I've been asking for for Australia for a while, and he sort of brought that to Australia. Yeah, I don't think we talked enough about about Fardy when we talked about the game. I thought Fardy and Kane Douglas were monstrous. I thought they were, were excellent. What a move. And so no. Kane Douglas was a guy that Ewan shunned, so we don't want you, went to Ireland, and they, they pull a 
pretty good Swifty to get him out of there. Yeah. And now he's playing for Australia and, and killing it. And brought and brought a serious grunt to that yeah, pack. I think he, he, 15 out of 15 tackles. He stole two balls as well. He ripped a couple out of the out of the mall. He brought an he's brought an awesome edge to the pack. He brought a checker edge to the pack. Mm. Checker was a, a bit of a lunatic on the park and just went hard the whole time. And we saw that in Fardy. We saw it in Douglas. And they're going to have to do it again. What you notice with Douglas with with his work in defence is a lot of guys drop back when the when the balls pass them. Douglas keeps pushing up, mm. pushing up. It's that relentless uh, style of defence that uh, you know, you know, they they're, they're pushing them always to the sideline, coming up on the inside once the ball's past them, and it's uh, it's it's really sort of good to see. It's, it says something about uh, defence. Defence is all about work ethic, and that's uh, that's one thing he's got in spades. You're dead. You're dead right, Casho. And I think a really important point to make there too is. Um, the, the line speed was back for the Wallabies uh, in the game against Argentina, but it was also there in the 70, 75th minute. Blokes like Douglas who run around at 115 yeah. odd kilos, who are still pushing up in defence at that stage of the game and getting on top and putting doubt into the opposition mind, exceptional. And that speed of line defence, I think the All Blacks weren't weren't challenged last week by, by the Springboks, took some time to uh, adapt to it. The, the Wallabies will be uh, will be will be up and back and up and in and all all sorts of things, but they'll they won't be giving guys like Dan Carter too much time, and I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they cope with that. All right, fellas. Well, we better wrap it up. We're over time. Uh, actually, apologies to last week. The video uh, went missing. Uh, I know everyone listened to the show, but who would uh, want to see these mugs? Uh, but Casho's incoming stream was out. By a few frames and it made it a nightmare so it didn't quite make it. we will for the record get it up at some point um bit of a posthumous sort of uh, posting <laughs> but uh yeah so that's where the video ended it's up quite feisty last week too it was it was good show. but uh, it was a good, good show. show the show yeah. still went out i mean yeah, everyone listened to it but uh, we just didn't see uh, mugs um and i am brought to you today by a startup look um <laughs> Interesting day at seven today too, by the way. Anyway, but uh, that's for another time. All right, I'm going to kick it off. This is our final statement. Uh, the World Cup final, I'm predicting it to come down to extra time and it will be decided by a drop goal. And I'm saying Bernard Foley's going to do it, winner for Australia. The Iceman, the Iceman. Iceman Hummer. <laughs> that's it. That's my prediction. Yeah. Cash cow. Uh Right, thanks, Cash Cow. <laughs> Have a go, mate. No, I, uh, I'm, I'm not as extreme as you, Bronk, but I, th- I, I, I think the Wallabies, the fairy tale will continue. I think they'll win, but by, by less than seven. I made my prediction last week uh, in that the Wallabies would get to the final and win it. It's a bit of a unanimous board here we've got tonight, tipping <laughs> yes. against a, who will, someone will be a pretty hot favourite, I would expect. Even, even me, who goes out there, I'm, yeah. I'm not going against Look, them. I'm tipping the Wallabies, but a lot of things have to go their way. They are capable of being this team, and I've said before that David Pocock with Hooper and Fardy are a more effective back row now. Jerome, Jerome Kano's had a big tournament, but with Reed and McCaw there, who I don't think are playing to the levels they have, I think the back row edge is there, and if we can disrupt their play enough through the back row and, and as long as we've got a set good scrum and a good line out I think the Wallabies will do it by eight as you say eight. Jen, a, eight. Lo- a lot has to go right for the Wallabies to win it does mate it's and a I bold just tip get that feeling that it's going to happen if they tighten up their um, defence uh, in close uh, as a result from the Argentinian game then I think they can because we know they can defend we've just seen all those games through the World Cup so uh, it's, it's a great it's, you know the best thing about it is this World Cup 
has been so good to watch. And since the debacle of the 2007 World Cup, which is probably should be wiped from history, don't you agree? Like it was just the worst advertisement for rugby ever. And then to have 2011 and then now this, this wonderful 2015 tournament, it's great, isn't it? It is. It's been sensational. And, and to see the quality of the game too. You know, rugby is a game, and it's often said, when it's played uh, well, it's beautiful, and when it's played badly, it's absolutely terrible. And you go through these cycles of years where the, the style of play can change a bit, mm. but we're at a really good stage where there is a breadth of, of talent and style on the rugby pitch that we've seen some great football, and I hope we see it again in the last game. And and just, uh, we're not only Tier 1 nations either, is it? Yeah. It's Tier 2 nations. Japan's come through. Uh, yeah. I, I thought Tonga played pretty well. Samoa, a bit disappointing. Fiji, uh, how, how good were, the, were they to be so competitive in, in the pool of death? Are we going to tip uh, third place player? Oh, yeah. Well, it's probably, yeah. yeah. The, the game no one really cares about? Uh, who cares, Cup? Who cares, Cup? Um, it's, it's going to be loose. It's, uh, it's going it's to be a pretty well game. Card, it's going to be 60 to 50. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be something like that. And I think Argentina on 60. Or, uh, yeah, Argentina are playing win. South Africa uh, 45. Yeah, yeah, why not? If they take their kicks, I mean, you know, Sanchez yeah. will nail it from everywhere. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a beauty. I can't wait. Uh, one last one. Kasha and I, we talked about this on the phone yesterday, I think. Uh, the importance of this final on the game in Australia. The game has been languishing for some time. It's been diabolical just across the nation. It's dropped well behind footballs in soccer, way behind AFL as number one with a bullet and rugby league as well. I, I, I say that the game in Australia is driven from the top first and then grassroots. I know we all talk, always talk about grassroots, but it's the but when you're a kid, it's when you turn on the TV and watch a superstar playing, that's when you get inspired. It's not the other way around. So I, I think that this, if Australia can win the World Cup, uh, there's enough noise, it will just help everything underneath. An important bronc, an important stepping stone, but we still need to win consistently, and we need consistently. Oh, we're going to back it up be, after this, be, yeah. Yeah, they're going to back it up, and they're, they're going to win a Bledisloe Cup within the next eighteen months. But but you've got two in one go. You beat New Zealand, and you win the World Cup. What do you reckon, Ben? I think yeah, because you've covered the game from the ground up. For you're a long exactly time. right, and we we saw the effect that '99 had on Australia. Well, even '91. Yeah, even '91. In 99, there was a lot more professionalism around the game, clearly, and, and things had come along, and the, the impacts were very, very clear. And I think you would hope to see that again, even if they don't get up against against New Zealand. There has been so much goodwill around this team, and the way they conduct themselves, the way they play the game they want to play, um, it, it, it inspires a lot. Even my five-year-old son, Dash, reckons he's his Ralph Folau <laughs> at the moment. Um, he loves those tats, apparently. Get him on the day, yeah, well, fullback, mate. <laughs> yeah, why not? And you can just, and you can, you can absolutely see it. So Casho's dead right. It's got to go on with that. But I think what you're seeing is we talked about it in previous shows. They're building a culture, mm-hmm. and the right culture can bring that talent to life and can help them win. And I, I think that's where you'll you'll hopefully see them uh, keep going with it. No, it's great stuff. Mark Cashman, thanks for coming in, mate. Good to see you in person. Anytime, bro. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> Every week, mate. And uh, Ben Kimber, thanks for joining us again. Thank you, mate. Always enjoy it. All right. Uh, well, this has been Mark Cashman, Ben Kimber, and Juro Sen. Uh, wrapping it up. And, uh, yeah, sorry about last week's video. It will come at some point, but who cares about that? As long as you're watching this one tonight. So we're all tipping the Wallabies and a boil over. It should be fantastic. Sure, it's clear cut. Clear cut. Oh, I'd say a boil over. It's always a boil over with me. So uh, we look forward to it, and maybe Argentina will win the third place 
playoff. So the bronze medal at the uh, Rugby World Cup. Uh, we, have you, we hope you've enjoyed the last few weeks of the World Cup coverage uh, on Rugger Matrix. And don't forget to listen to Rugger Matrix America. A lot of controversy there in the wake of their World Cup disappointment. And I think uh, changes are you know, in the offing there for, uh, for USA Rugby. So check out the uh, podcast uh, with Alex Goff and the team. Until next week when we wrap up the final, enjoy your rugby, enjoy the World Cup. I've got to say, go the Wallabies.